Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. We do come uh, declaring that it is uh, only in His grace and goodness that we are able uh, to keep any of those commitments that were made this morning. And as we um, think of those things, my heart stirs a bit. Uh, Before we jump in to the message, I'm reminded uh, at the end of Joshua, we read in Joshua 24 where uh, there was this great commitment, right? And Joshua said, you can choose this day who you're going to serve. He said, whether it's the gods on the other side of the flood. He said, or, but he said, as for me and my house, he said, we're going to serve the Lord. And then in Judges chapter 2, we read of Joshua's death. And in long about verse 10, the scripture says that all of that generation had died. And it says there arose up a generation. It said Joshua and all that generation, a generation has died. There arose up a generation that did not know the Lord or all that he had done, all the works that he had done for Israel. And I'm reminded this morning that there's got to be intentionality, that there's got to be uh, a heart of a church that says, not on my watch, is that going to happen? That it, not, if there's anything I can do to proclaim the goodness and the grace and the mercy of Christ to the next generation, that I'll be found doing that. And my heart is this morning that we would be that kind of church. And I'm grateful that we are that kind of church. This is the second parent-child dedication that we've had in the last couple of months. I read an article that said uh, since the coronavirus uh, dynamic that uh, nationally that the birth rates have plummeted. Um, I'm grateful to say that we are not contributing to that uh, in any way uh, here now, happy Mother's Day. Uh, my mom's here. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Uh, you know, I think about moms, and I saw a list of the top 10 things moms might say. Some of you might have heard these before, and if you moms want to chime in, if you know how to finish them, you're welcome uh, to do that. But number 10 was why? Because I, yeah, because I said so. That's exactly right, and that's all that matters. This room looks like a pigsty, a tornado went through here, right? All those kind of things. Do I look like a maid? <laughs> Don't answer yes or y'all are in big days. At least one so. How many times do I have to? How many times do I have to tell you? We've heard that. How about this? All right, that's enough. You wait till your father gets home. <laughs> I've heard that one before. Here's another one. Eat the rest of your food. Clean your plate. There are starving people in wherever. You fill in the blank if you're in Africa or uh, wherever. Uh, don't talk with your mouth full. Uh, another one. You're not going out in public wearing that. <laughs> and, and finally, uh, this one that maybe some moms have said, I brought you into this world and... <laughs> I can take you out. Yeah, some of y'all have said that and meant it in that moment, right? (laughs) Well, here's the truth. Without moms, none of us would be here. And, you know, we come together today and we celebrate moms. We celebrate um, just this blessing that we have uh, to be part of discipling uh, this next generation. But also recognize that there's tension in moments like this, right? With a diverse group of people, there's all kind of circumstances, all kind of 
Uh, different feelings, different emotions, senses of loss. There's senses of excitement. You know, we saw um, just a, a beautiful group of families uh, dedicating themselves and their children to the Lord. We also know that there uh, are, are families that uh, have, you know, loss and sorrow in the midst of that. And I want to pray and just ask the Lord's blessing on us as a faith family as we um, jump into this service. And so let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, God. And we are in desperate need of all those things, Lord. We pray, God, that you would meet every person, Lord, exactly where they are in this moment. Lord, we know that today is a day of tremendous celebration, Lord, from, uh, from those that are dedicating their children to the Lord, Lord, for those that, uh, God, are able to be with their moms, Lord. We, uh, we also know, Lord, that there are some that it's a, a difficult day, Lord, that they may not have the ability to send a card or to, to love on their mom in this life, Father. And we just, we pray, Lord, for all those in between, Lord. And we pray, God, that you would uh, allow us, Lord, to experience healing and grace this morning, Lord. We pray, God, that you would uh, equip us, Lord, in the power of your spirit, God, to be who you've called us to be as parents and as spiritual parents, God. We think of those that, Lord, may have desired uh, to have children but have never been able to. Lord, I pray, God, that you could see that there's incredible purpose in their lives, Lord, as they pour in, um, Lord, and, and come alongside uh, spiritual children, Father. And we just pray, God, that your grace would be enough this morning, God, that you would encourage us in your word. And Lord, may we see purpose in the exact place that we're in. And Father, may uh, you use us as your people, Lord, for the glory of your name, Lord, to engage in sharing the gospel, Lord, in raising a generation to follow you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. And we ask for your blessing in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. We're, we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter uh, number 1 today. We're going to be walking through uh, just a few scriptures there. And we're going to see this young man named Timothy. And his story uh, allows us to see just a beautiful pattern for passing our faith to the generations to follow. Now, I'm reminded that this letter is Paul's final letter. It's pretty interesting that from prison that Paul would take this opportunity and he could have written to anybody. He could have shared anything and he chose to write to his spiritual son right to Timothy and he encourages him to stand firm he encourages him to uh, continue the work of the gospel right and it's this letter really that's almost like a baton is being handed off right I see some of you track folks in here and it's like you know what he's he's finishing his leg at the end of this letter he says hey you know what I I've fought a good fight I've finished my course and he said of course there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me but not for me only Timothy for all those that love my appearing and he says I'm handing it's like this picture of him handing this baton to Timothy he's encouraging him in these moments and as we uh, just read God's word together. Second uh, Timothy chapter number two. Let's begin in verse. Excuse me. Second Timothy chapter number one. Let's begin in verse number three. And Paul writes this. I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience the way my forefathers did. As I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. Longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled 
with joy. I love the way Paul writes here and he says, I thank my God for you. He recognizes that it is God alone who deserves the glory and he tells him, he says, listen, he could have been this uh, picture of just the Eeyore syndrome and talking about all the circumstances that are in his life at this moment and kind of just in that negative mindset. But instead, he expresses thanksgiving. He expresses gratitude. He is in this kind of mindset, right? In Hebrews 13, it talks about this sacrifice of praise, this gratitude that comes from the life of a Jesus follower that is an offering uh, to the Lord. And and here, Paul is writing to to Timothy and he says, I thank God for you every day. He said, I pray for you day and night. And then verse 5, he says, for I am mindful. He says, it, it comes to my mind. It is in my mind that of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm sure that is in you as well. And he says, I've seen this sincere faith. And I want to talk to you today about sincere faith. And he said, there's this sincere faith that I've seen in you. And he said, this sincere faith I've also seen in your grandmother. I've seen this sincere faith in your mother. And I'm wondering, you know, how did Paul see this sincere faith? And the first thing I want to remind you of this morning is sincere faith is demonstrated in our actions. That's how people can tell. Uh, James said that faith without works is dead. He didn't say that we earn our salvation by our works, but he said there's a uh, something that's going to happen in our lives because of our salvation that we're going to see fruit in our lives. And so he has seen faith in, in a mother and a grandmother, and then he's seen faith in Timothy. And, and he saw that. And I wonder this morning, as we think about just the, the service that we're in, this moment that we're in, as we think about the word sincere faith, it's really this thought of genuine faith or authentic faith. Those are all words that could be uh, used to describe sincere faith. And I wonder, does our lives, does my life, does your life, does your life demonstrate genuine faith? And so if this faith is demonstrated In our actions, we're going to see that as parents and as a faith family that we're to model that in our lives. We ought to, our our kids ought to be able to see that in our lives. It ought to be modeled by moms. It ought to be demonstrated by dads. It ought to be uh, just revealed by those uh, role models in our lives. And you know, we think about these people that we read about. We think about these names that we read today in the scripture. We think about Lois and Eunice, right? They're not, like unless you came on Mother's Day at some point in the past when this uh, text was brought up or someone was preaching through this, you probably don't even maybe recognize their names in the scripture. And you think about Timothy and he's, he's not like a Peter or a Paul or those kind of things. He's not such a familiar name, but I want to tell you something. Lois and Eunice, these are heroes of the faith. These are people that that are are heroes, a mom and and a grandmother that love Jesus and, and share that with their children. Those are heroes of the faith. And sincere faith, it's, it's put into action and it stands the, the test of time. It's one of those things when we think about the the role of a parent and we think about the role of a family together, our kids know who we are. I love to say that if it's not working at home, 
that it ain't working, right? That, that our kids and our families, they know who we really are. And there's a genuineness in our faith, right? If I've got a, a $20 bill that I get out up here and I say that it's a real uh, thing and from the distance that you're at in the audience, I could have anything, right? I could have printed it just before I came. And from a distance, you might say, you know what? That looks genuine. And really, that's kind of how we gather a lot of times as a faith family. We have on our best, we have those dynamics, right? We all look like maybe we have it together but the reality is that close up right our kids can see the authenticity of our faith you know we are the church you are the church and the church doesn't end on Sunday morning it's Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday Saturday and if our Saturday night doesn't match our Sunday morning I promise you you will not fool your children right they understand the authenticity of those things and we see uh, Paul say hey I saw this sincere Faith, And we think sometimes, what does it look like to demonstrate sincere faith? And we think about all these big things, but I'm reminded that it is the small things done consistently that make the biggest difference. We can't overstate. Tony Meredith says that we can't overstate the importance of living out the Christian life before watching children. And I want to encourage you that we also can't overstate the importance of other believers being involved in the lives of our children, of mentors and people walking alongside them. And here, Paul is encouraging Timothy. He is encouraging him. And, and you know, spiritual leaders, those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, there ought to be people that we are coming alongside of and encouraging in our lives. There ought to be this reality that there are other people outside of your family and outside of of just uh, those immediate people that you live with in your home that you're encouraging and pouring into and helping to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And when we read 2 Timothy, we can see that Paul believed in this exponential thought of making disciples. He says, what am I going to do with my last letter? He said, I'm going to encourage someone that I have poured into. And he says in, in chapter Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he tells Timothy, he said, you therefore my son. I love the way he used such an endearing term. He said, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he said, these things that you have heard uh, from me in the presence of many witnesses. He says, I want you to take those things. Uh, He said, I want you to entrust them to faithful men who will teach others also. He said, there's this understanding that the effect of godly people breathing in to a person's life is greater than we could imagine. It's greater than we could account for. And, and he's called to stand firm, right? And I'm thinking, what's, how's, how's Timothy going to be encouraged? How is Paul going to encourage him? What stories is he going to tell in this book? What's he going to share with him in this letter? But he is encouraged by this heartfelt recollection of Eunice and Lois uh, and Paul, right? He, he's encouraged by their faith that has been poured into, that, that their example, right, that have been modeled, the the words that they've said, the things that they've shared, the time that they've taken to point uh, him to the Lord. Here's the thing we see in this. They look at him and, and he's writing and he's saying, you know what? I want you to remember this 
faith that was in your grandmother and that was in your mother and that you saw in me. And he said, when I look at you, he said, I want you to understand something, Timothy. You're my boy and, and you, I, I believe in you and I see, you know what, you've been called uh, to pass through this church and you're facing all kinds of difficulties. But what I want you to understand is that I've seen that what you have is real. There's an authentic faith that's in you and the spirit of God that lives in you. It's working in a greater way than you could imagine. And I believe in you. He said, you're my boy, like we, I, Paul wrote these words uh, to the church at Ephesus. He said that you're, we're his workmanship, his poem. He says, Timothy, you are in Christ and God is working. And he says, so don't listen to anything that they say. He said, don't, don't let them look down on you because you're young, Timothy, but you be an example of them. He, he said, listen, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. He, he said, you don't have to bow down in those things. He said, I've seen that there's a faith in you. And he said, I want you to remember where you heard it. I want you to see what has happened. And can I remind you how important it is in the lives of the next generation and in our own lives that there are people that are encouraging and believing in us. I think about my own mom and I think about even in secular things, right? When I was about 140 pounds over the average athlete size, right? My mom Maybe not quite that much, but close. My mom, right, would believe in me, right? We would go to, to, to some kind of sports trial or some kind of thing, right? And if nobody else in this room, like, thinks I do a good job today, my mom, man, she will. Y'all know how it is, right? Your mom always says, look, that's just how that is. And she was the person, right, that would look and say, hey, you're going to do good. I believe in you. You can do this. Keep practicing. Keep working. I think about coaches that uh, were in my life, right? I think about David Morgan and people like him who were in so many students' lives. I look back at athletes that'll be graduating here in a few days and there are people that you can think of that have looked at you, parents and coaches and people that have said, you know what, I see something in you and, and you can do this. You know, there's this incredible, uh, just this reality of how much impact that makes in our lives. We ought to be a people, like, like you can find two different kinds of birds, right? There are people uh, that are kind of like hummingbirds and some that are like buzzards, right? And they all kind of go out flying. But they are looking for different things. And may the people of God, right, may we be known for the encouragement, right? He said that our speech should be full of grace, seasoned with salt, right? That we, and we see this, uh, this encouragement, right, that Paul writes in, in other letters, that, that we might speak only words that are for the edification of the body, right? That we might build one another up, that we might encourage one another. There's tremendous power in that, right? When you, when you leave today, man, there's, there's something beautiful about, about just being people that are looking for the good things, people that are encouraging, people that are walking. And here, uh, Paul writes this letter, and he is encouraging them, right? And, and, and I wonder, who does God have for us to encourage? Because there ought to be somebody spiritually that we're encouraging, right? Somebody that we are coming alongside of in their lives. And Paul says, hey, I saw this faith in your grandma. I saw this faith in your mom. This faith is demonstrated in actions, and it inspires others to action. Look at verse 14. He says, you, however... Continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you learn. I thought that was so interesting. I thought Paul, like if I was just picking what I might write to somebody, I might talk about the moments we've had together. I might talk about those kind of things. Remember when you ministered with Silas and I? Remember when this happened, like we were in Philippi or we were in Athens? Remember all those things, how you grew in the faith while we were ministering there at Ephesus? Now, I'm sure all those things have great impact, but that's not where he goes. He goes to a different spot. And I want to remind you, moms, has, listen to what, what's incredible right here. He said, remember your mom? Remember your grandma? He said, remember what they taught you? And he said, they taught you something 
something that was timeless. And, and what they did, see, see, sincere faith is rooted in the Word of God. Sincere faith, it, it, it is rooted in the Word of God. And we as families, right, we see that it, it is displayed in our actions. So we model this for our children. We see that it's rooted in the Word of God. So we make time for the Word of God in our lives. And there's this reality that there's going to be a lot of things that try to crowd that out. There's a lot of things that we uh, come into our lives in busyness and all those kind of things. But the truth of the matter is we're going to make time for what's important in our lives. And it's going to take intentionality, but we've got to make time for the Word of God. Look at verse 15. He said, and from childhood. It's an interesting word that he uses for childhood. It's a word that could even mean infant or in the womb. So it's like this picture of these young children that were here. It's, it's like that kind of picture. He said, from childhood, from the time that you were a young child or an infant, you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It is the Word of God, right? We think about, I'm sure there's dreams of every family. You know, what's our kids going to be when they grow up? What are they going to do? What do we want to teach them? How are we going to grow them? What, what do we want them to know? There are all these things that we have. There's all these dreams that we may have, but it is the Word of God that is most important that we impart into the lives of our children. And in this passage, we see God use a godly mom, a godly grandmother, a spiritual mentor. We see him use all these things, speaking the Word of God and, and declaring the Word of God in the life of Timothy to see him come to faith in Christ. Verse 16, he goes on and he says, all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Listen, we, we need to have the word of God saturated in our lives and it's not a weapon uh, in our arsenal as a parent, right? But it is, it, it's not this thing that we say, hey, well, we're gonna use this uh, in a way to somehow manipulate our kids and make them think that if they're not behaving today and they've disobeyed God's law that somehow he loves them less or somehow they've disappointed. But, but we have a desire, right, that we might take the word of God, that we might model what it looks like to follow Jesus as an, an adult, as a disciple, that we might model what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like to be a disciple, and that results in obedience in our life out of a love for our Father, out of a love for God. And our desire is that we might take the law, that, that kids might understand what it looks like to follow Jesus, that they might understand uh, that we fall short, right? Because the reality is that none of us are able to meet uh, the, the, the demands of the law, right? That's the, the beauty of the gospel, though, is that we are able to teach our kids that, yes, we fall short, but there is a God who loves us, right? And a God uh, who has given his son Jesus. Jesus, and through faith in Christ, we can be made right with a holy God, that we're separated from him because of our sins. And not only can we be made right with a holy God, but we can receive the gift of his spirit that enables us to walk in newness of life and changes us from the inside out. And our goal, right, from the word of God is to declare the goodness of God and the, and the gospel of God and an understanding that we're looking for heart transformation. We, as parents, we desire to see our kids love and obey the Lord, right? This is where we're at. And God uses this mom, this grandmother, in that kind of way. And you're going to find something in the story of every child of God. You're going to find the grace of God and the Word of God. And it's going to be found in the story of every child of God. When we look at the story of Scripture, it is a story of God's grace. When we look at the story, at Timothy's story in the Scriptures, it is a story of God's Grace. Let's look at Acts chapter 16 for 
just a moment. Uh, we're going to look just at a couple of verses, and we're going to lean in uh, in closing. But Paul uh, comes to Derby and to Lystra, right, in, in verse 1. And, and there was a disciple there, Scripture says, named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him and took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in these parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So we see Paul and Timothy's encounter, and we learn just a little bit about his life. Tim, Timothy's mother, little Timmy's mom, right, is a Jewish person, right? She is a believer. She's come to faith in Christ, and Timothy's father is a Greek. And what we can see about this, he's a Gentile. He's not a believer, not a Christ follower. And, and maybe Lois had been conferred, converted in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. Maybe she's come home uh, to tell her daughter. Maybe when, uh, when Paul was in missionary journeys, right? Maybe they were devout Jews who responded to Paul's preaching at Lystra. Maybe there's those kind of things that have happened in their life. And we don't know all of the details about uh, these ladies. We don't know all those things. But God chose to give us just a little glimpse into the life of this mother, into Eunice's life. And what we see in her life is it wasn't a perfect situation, right? Regardless of whether she was a believer or not, when she, uh, when she had Timothy, it would have been frowned uh, upon for her uh, to, to, to marry this Greek. It would have been against her Jewish faith to do that. And they have this child and this child is not circumcised and it declares something uh, about the father and, and his uh, probably this reality that he wasn't just buying into this whole religious thing. And here's the beauty of the story of Timothy, right? The beauty of this and the beauty of Eunice's story, the beauty of this passage, right, is that her story, like all of our stories, they are not perfect. Can I remind you this morning that perfect moms don't exist, that perfect dads don't exist, perfect parents don't exist, perfect children don't exist, but thanks be to God that a perfect Savior does. And in this story of an imperfect mom, we see this beautiful picture of this imperfect mom that has sincere faith and she is met by the grace of God in the midst of her life, by the grace Grace and love of God and his grace is sufficient. His grace is all that we need. The reality is that, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And we see in this passage this mysterious combination of God's provision, right? And Timothy's responsibility. He said that there was this faith in his mother and his grandmother. But Timothy had to believe. Timothy had to trust in the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Timothy, we, we see this tension though. But, but God has provided him with a godly grandmother, with a godly mother, with a Paul in his life. He's, he's provided all these things, but Timothy believed. He had sincere faith in the work of God. See, we all have a part, imperfect people in the story of God, right? And there's a parent, there's a partner, there's all these things, but God uses imperfect people. He uses imperfect moms, imperfect dads, imperfect parents. He uses all those things, but he calls for us to just have sincere faith, depend on him, and live authentic lives. And in the midst of that, he does amazing things. And this is the call really for those today that have, have dedicated themselves and their children to the Lord, the reality is that all of our stories are less than perfect. All of our stories, right? We, none of us, we've all fallen short of the goodness and grace of God. And there's days like this that we scroll on Facebook and there's, you know, we look and, and it might be a mom that looks and it seems like these other moms just have everything together and everything's all perfect. And this story that we're seeing in those things, right? And we look around and we may feel inadequate, but I want you to know that in Christ there is hope and he is perfect. 
adequate. And the question for all of us is, is our faith sincere? And in our lives as parents and as spiritual parents, as as the people of God, we demonstrate sincere faith in the way that we pursue Christ. We demonstrate just this sincere pursuit of Christ. And it is the pursuit of Christ in private. It is the things that's in our home that produces the fruit that, that, that everyone desires to see. It is those kind of moments. And, and we, as parents, are to have a sincere faith. And we say, you know what? I'm weary and I'm tired. And I'm, listen, we, we are called to, to, to take the word of God and to see these moments in our lives where we come together as, as little faith families, right? As little families as we pour into our kids as we read. What's it look like for a mom or dad to wake up early and just spend time with Jesus and, and read in his word? And then that night, just to gather with their family and say, this is how God spoke to me today. Our kids need to see authentic faith in our lives. And we can't pour from an empty glass. We can't drink from an empty well. And it's so important that we are in fellowship with the Lord, that we as adults and parents, that we're spending time with Jesus, that we might have something to give, right? You see the, the picture of the, you know, in the airplane where you put the mask on first so that you can then get the mask on your kids. It's that kind of picture, right? That we see this sincere faith and we demonstrate it. We walk in that. And the sum of the small moments of every day of our lives, they will make the greatest impact in the lives of our kids. I want to encourage you, as long as you've got breath, as long as you are breathing, it is not too late. There may be grandparents and parents that, that look and say, you know what, I've got regrets in certain things that I've done in, in ways that are there, and I've lost time and all these kind of things. It might be a grandparent that needs to write a note. It might be a parent of a teenager that says, you know what, I've just got a couple of years left, and I'm not sure what to do. And I just encourage you, when you don't know what to do, pray, seek the Lord, and do something. Allow it to be uh, you know, and, and, and all around his word. Because the reality is, as Tom shared earlier, he said, we want to teach them to love God. And we want to teach them to love people. Right? Really, it, it comes, it's really pretty simple when it comes down to it. We want to teach them about who God is so that they can love him and know him. We want to teach them about our neighbor and those people that are around us. We want to teach them to love people, and we want to demonstrate in our lives what it looks like to put that in action. And our kids will see authentic faith in our lives. See, our, our role is to love God with everything in our lives, right? to believe the gospel and be captivated by his grace and his mercy. And as we are held captive by his grace, as we experience his grace, the more that we as parents and as a generation ahead, the more that we find delight in the word of God, the more that we lean into the word of God, the more deeply that our kids will be affected. And this is not something, right? We think about this and it feels overwhelming. I'm not asking you to add something to an already busy schedule, but I'm saying to integrate this into every moment of your life, right? That you make time, right? We're going to be as parents. We're to model that sincere faith. We're to uh, have this love for Jesus in our life that results in obedience. And it's our desire that our kids would love Jesus and it would result in obedience, right? That's our heart that we might pour into them. So we, we model that. We make time for discipleship. We make time for that in our lives, we all need a Paul in our lives. Every person in this room 
needs of Paul, someone that's a little further along that we're somehow doing life with, that we're somehow being poured into, and every one of us needs a Timothy, someone that's a little further behind maybe that we are encouraging, that we are walking with, that we, we've got to make time for those things in our own life, and then we've got to make time for family discipleship. And it will, it will crowd out in the busyness of, of life if we're not intentional, if we don't make it happen. It will be gone, and we've got to make the most of the moments. Paul takes a, a letter from prison, and he says, I'm going to make the most of even my final moments. And the way I'm going to do that, I'm going to encourage and pour in to this young man who is leading a chair. I'm going to, I'm going to ride, and I'm going to encourage my spiritual son in the faith because he's facing difficult times. But when I look at him, I believe in him. I know that he's still my boy. And I said, I'm writing to him and I'm encouraging him not to be afraid, not to, you, not to, to allow people to look down on him because of his youth, to walk and to finish well. Paul says, I've finished the course, right? He says, I fought a good fight. And he said, Timothy, you need to fight. And may we pour our lives into leaving that kind of impact on a generation, on someone in our life. And I, and I encourage you maybe in, as we walk in just to a time where we'll worship the Lord together, I want to I wanna ask uh, just the band to come and we're going to worship together. And, and I want to ask you just first, just to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, right? Paul wrote those words to the church at Corinth, right? And he said to examine yourselves as to whether you be in the faith. And, and we, first of all, need to examine, do we have a sincere faith. Has there ever been a time in our life where we've repented of our sins and surrendered our lives to Jesus? Because if there's no way that we can do any of these things in our own strength, we would be leading from, uh, from a place of dependence on ourselves. And we first must have an authentic relationship with Jesus. And so we've got to lean in there first and just answer that question. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, if there's never been a time where you believed uh, the truth of the gospel, that Jesus came, that he lived a sinless life, that we are, uh, Scripture says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. But we see that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were sinners, that Christ died for us. That if we would believe, right, if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that we could be saved, that we could pass from death to life, that we could be born again into the family of God. If you've never trusted Jesus, it's our hope that you would believe the truth of the gospel, that you might turn from your sin just in repentance, go in one direction and saying, you know what, I'm turning from sin and turning to him. And we surrender our lives to Christ, believing and calling on his name. If you've never trusted Jesus, that is your next step this morning, that you might surrender your life to him. The scripture says, whoever would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. And that may be where you're at this morning. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I'm, I know that I'm saved, but I don't have discipling relationships in my life. And maybe your prayer is that God would uh, direct you to someone, uh, someone that's a little further along than you that might do life with you, that might begin with a lunch. It might begin with just spending time together. It might be that you say, you know what, God, I want you to, to reveal a Timothy to me, Lord. There's somebody that you desire that I might be encouraging, that I might live my life for the glory of your name. And that like Paul, that I might see the value of a few, that I might see this call, that I might stand firm in the grace that's in Christ Jesus that I would take these things that have been taught to me and that I would pour those into somebody else. And every one of us, we must be dependent all on his grace. It's only in his strength 
But the life of a Jesus follower is not simply us living for him, but him living his life in and through us. And so as parents, as grandparents, spiritual parents in this room, it's not that somehow we muster our own strength and we do all these things and we keep all these things in our, our strength, but we come dependent on him. And every day we say, God, without you, God, I can do nothing. But Lord, in your grace and your goodness and your mercy, Lord, you'll equip me to lead families, to love, to walk, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And so may we come dependent to him, just holding on to him with all that we have, right? He said, if you abide in me, and I in you, he said, you'll bear much fruit. For our job, we as parents, we abide in Christ. We stay in his word. We cling to him with all that we have. And we know that even greater than that, he is holding on to us. I'm going to pray for us and we'll go into worship. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy. Pray, Lord, uh, for every family, Lord, that's represented here today. God, I pray, Lord, that God, that this, this, these next few moments will just be a moment of surrender. God, moments of dependence, Lord, where we uh, would, would seek your will and your heart in our lives. God, that we might ask you, Lord, who is it that you would have us to be encouraging and walking with? Who is it that you would want in our lives to encourage and walk, Lord. May you, God, in the, in the power of your grace and mercy, God, and your spirit, God, would you knit some of those relationships together, Lord, families that might uh, connect with one another even for the first time today, Lord. We just pray, uh, God, that you would do a, a work in us, Lord, that, that you would call us all, Lord, just to be available. God, that, that our question might be, God, uh, not show me what you want me to do and I'll do it, but Lord, I'll do it. Now show me what you want me to do. Show me who you want me to to be in fellowship with. Father, we, we pray for these families. We pray for uh, these children that have been dedicated today, Lord. We pray, God, that you would meet every family where they're at, God, and that in your grace and your mercy, God, that you would equip them, God, that you would use them. And, Lord, may you be glorified in all that we do. Lord, if anyone doesn't know you in this room, God, I pray, Lord, that this would be the day, Lord, that today would be their day of salvation, that you would draw them, Lord, that they would surrender their lives to you they would be changed forever by your grace. Lord, we love you and we ask for your will and way in Jesus' name. Amen.